With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, and if it's a Thursday here on the Mini Break, you know what that means, folks. Another fantastic episode of Getting to the Point, our podcast series with our friends over at Aerobar, focusing on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern tennis game. Of course, it's been such a pleasure for me to get to join Andrew and Mark on the pod each week, and we've had some exceptional guests along the way as well. People like Jay Berger, who was Mark and Andrew's coach when they were at Miami, now the coach of Riley Opelka. We've had Bjorn Fertangelo, Michael Russell, Billy Pape. So many great guests. And, you know, with that in mind, I don't say this lightly, folks. I think the episode we recorded for today may be my favorite episode of Getting to the Point thus far. You know, not only are Andrew, Mark, and I now very comfortable with one another, and, you know, we're now joking at each other's expenses in the pod, and you're going to hear that in the this episode, but our guest today was just exceptional, and she fit in so well uh, with the dynamic and just with the topic we are trying to cover here on Getting to the Point, and that's University of Florida women's assistant head coach Lauren Embry, and of course, Lauren Embry, if you're a fan of college tennis, is a name you're very familiar with. She was maybe the top player throughout her time in college during her four years at Florida, certainly her final year. She was number one in the country in singles, I think, when something like 24-1 and one crazy she clinched a back-to-back national title for her Florida team. Uh, I mean, an exceptional playing career. Of course, she eventually reached the top 250 in the professional ranks in both singles and doubles. Uh, but of course, she also had a career that was cut short due to injuries. And so in talking about nutrition and fitness and its importance, uh, she not only has insight into her own career and the role those things played, but also how those injuries, how you know the importance of staying fit and you know staying healthy, uh, how that impacts her coaching philosophies. And so it's a really great episode. She, we also have a lot of fun on the show as well. I will say before we start, we did have some technical difficulties. Unfortunately, that led to a couple of jokes amongst all of us on the show that, again, uh, you're all going to be able to hear. But because of that, the audio quality not exactly up to par. We had to go to the backup audio. That's just a little note for all of you listeners. We do apologize for that. But again, this uh, the content of this episode was so enjoyable. We figured we let's run the show anyways. We know you listeners will still enjoy it that much. There is a little bit of news from the professional tennis world on this Thursday uh, that, of course, we could spend a lot of time talking about. The fact that the WTA officially canceling the Asian swing of the season, all of those events scheduled from October through November. And, of course, that includes the race to Shenzhen and then ultimately the year-end Shenzhen finals. Uh, those are all canceled. 
and as of now, it does not sound like the WTA plans on replacing the year-end finals. Of course, as I think it was Oleg S., who's at Anna K. Forever on Twitter, very great Twitter follow on Tennis Twitter, uh, pointed out to me when I asked this question. Uh, as of now, it sounds like they don't plan on replacing it because to find that sort of sponsorship, the venue, the sort of money you need to put on an event like the year-end finals, you can't really do that in two months. And so uh, maybe the WTA will try to scramble. I am sure they have been since China announced they weren't going to hold any international sporting events, which I believe was maybe a week, two weeks ago. Who can keep track of weeks at this point? Uh, This announcement was inevitable. Of course, it probably also likely means the Masters events on the ATP side, as well as the 250s, 500s. excuse me, uh, planned in China, likely to be canceled as well. Uh, But those things, again, are going to hold. In terms of other big notes right now really going on in the tennis world, it was very, very, uh, you know, encouraging to hear yesterday when World Team Tennis announced that, you know, they have done all the testing over this session of the players, coaches, trainers, and staff at the Greenbrier, and all 245 midseason tests have returned negative uh, for those people participating in the event, and that's very encouraging. It proves that this bubble format, that this, uh, that you know, if you are able to get these players to buy into, you know, being responsible, being accountable for their own actions, and following these guidelines, that you can hold an event even to the scale of world team tennis safely. And that's very encouraging, certainly for the USDA, for the U.S. Open and Western Southern, as those events loom closer and closer. Of course, there are still travel, uh, I suppose, restrictions in place. Uh, Although we did also learn uh, that the U.S. plans on granting visas to those athletes planning to come to New York to participate in Western and Southern and the U.S. Open. But again, this is news that will hold until Friday. Just wanted to briefly announce that to you all. And of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets here on the mini break is because of the support we get from our friends, such as our friends at Aerobar. And you know Aerobar already. It's the nutritious way to start your day. It truly is a delicious delicious way. It, it's just an energy boost in the morning. It's what you need. And I'm not a guy who, that's not true. If I'm on vacation and, you know, the rents are like, hey, let's go get breakfast and it's the omelets, you know, then I'm all in. Uh, but during the day, during the work week, I can't eat, be eating a heavy breakfast. I need to be light. I need to be on my feet. If I'm drowsy, I'm not going to have this sort of energy on the podcast that you've all grown accustomed to. But I know that I still need a little bit of substance, a little bit of fuel to get me going. And that's why I turn to our friends at Aerobar. And of course, course for Aerobar, you know, that's not even their purpose. Their goal to be the only tennis specific energy bar in the business and they're doing their job. It's why so many college teams have turned to them uh, and it's why they're popping up across tennis events. You go to, you see those Aerobars and for me, when I'm doing my play-by-play, I still want that sort of boost. I started every morning with a delicious Aerobar, whether it be cinnamon honey oat, whether it be chocolate chip, two great flavors and again, more potassium than a banana and it's it's the right sort of ingredients. You can trust our friends at Aerobar to give you a healthy alternative to start your day and most importantly fuel you give you the sort of fuel you need when you are on the court Uh, so go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order and folks I'm telling you once you start uh, you're going to be turning to them for order after order after order so go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 15 also have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports and everyone listening to this podcast knows about 
about Midwest Sports because for more than 30 years, they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers by offering a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They've got one of the largest in-stock inventories of equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping from their automated warehouse directly to your front door. Tens of thousands of products, folks. That's not a lie. You name the string type, they've got it. The racket frame, they've got it. The shoe type, they've got it. Shirts, shorts, all of the above. Wristbands, you need it. Bags, they've got it. Uh, You can find all of that gear by going to MidwestSports.com. You use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off your order, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, as well as a can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Midwest Sports wanting to make sure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. All right. With that being said, let's get to another fantastic episode of Getting to the Point with today's guest, University of Florida assistant head coach, Lauren Embry. Joining us on the podcast today is one of the most decorated female college athletes of the 21st century when it comes to tennis. She is a two-time national champion, the number one player in the country her senior year, and now the assistant coach back at her alma mater of Florida, Lauren Embry. Welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you, and thank you for that introduction. That was oh. necessary. <laughs> I feel like I could have gone even further than that. Top 250 in the professional circuit in both singles and doubles. It's been an incredible uh, career for you, obviously, that is continue to go uh, keep going. But let's start uh, you know, with, obviously, the cool news. You are back at your alma mater, and I know you were at Pepperdine before that. But to be back at Florida, how great of a feeling is that for you? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible that it's kind of come full circle. Um, I would not think that this would be the case back when I was playing tennis um, for Florida, but I am very grateful to be back in this position. Talking about, you know, just you in general, you've obviously succeeded at tennis uh, at every stage of your career. And just curious, how did you get involved with the game? When did Lauren Embry first pick up a racket? Dad actually played. He was a great player growing up. He played in college for the University of Tampa. Um, and then my older brother actually played at Florida State. So it's kind of a family sport. Um, I just am from a very small town in South Florida called Marco Island. And, you know, I went public school route, just played with my dad and brother pretty much four or five days a week. My dad made it a point to get us out there sometimes before and after school and just practice. And then, you know, you stick with something long enough and you find the love of something and you just kind of stay committed to it. And my dad kind of instilled that in me. And then as I got older, I realized that, okay, I can take this somewhere. I love it. I'm pretty decent at it. Um, So we got a little bit more serious kind of my junior and senior year as far as training and all of that stuff. And then I went on to have a great career at Florida and on the pro tour, but it really started at a young age just for my family and um, just growing up kind of having tennis as an everyday thing. Do you think maybe that's why uh, you have have been so attracted to coaching the sport now? It's, you know, college tennis is really the most familiar, I guess the closest tennis comes to being a family type sport, to being a team sport. Do you think in, you know, being around playing tennis in with your family? I know for me, I had two brothers who both play, I have two brothers who both play tennis, one not as well as the other. Uh, but for me, you know, that also fuels my passion for the sport. Do you think that's maybe why you've been so attracted to the team tennis format your whole life? For sure. I think tennis is such an individual sport as 
opportunity to play, um, you know, on a team or close to it or, you know, in a group of people who really support you and want you to do well. That's why I was so attracted to college tennis. Um, and then having the opportunity to coach, I kind of wanted to give that, give that back to my girls that I coach and the people that I come in contact with that have dreams to, to take it further, but to kind of understand that playing for something bigger than yourself, which you can get in college, um, it's something really special and it's a great experience that I don't think many people should, should pass up and um, it can do great things for you just as a person kind of when you're, when tennis is, is out of your life just for f- the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for you, again, highly accomplished junior, I'm sure there were thoughts of maybe I could go pro and maybe I don't need to go to college. What ultimately had you decide that Florida was the place, you know, to not only spend four years, but to also, uh, you know, to play college tennis in general? championships. I felt like Florida gave me that chance. I also wanted um, my game to continue to develop and coaches to develop me because I did have dreams and um, I wanted to pursue the pro tour, but I also understood that I needed a degree and that when you graduate college, you're still so young. Um, You still have a lot to mature. You go through a lot of adversity in college and I was 22 by the time I graduated with a degree and I was able to also play on tour for as long as I wanted to. Um, But I really felt like college was the right path for me, not only to mature and just develop, but for for the future to to have a degree and to be able to be successful when tennis was kind of done with my life. No, again, it's a decision I know so many across the country face, and I'm sure for you it helps you relate to those players you maybe are going out there to try and recruit. Now, I know in 2009, and you know a little bit of a Wikipedia deep dive here that it's in the first two paragraphs makes it a little bit easier, but you get the wild card for the French Open. You're able to participate in a Grand Slam, and you know that that sort of financial start to a career can be a jump start, and certainly first-round prize money at a Grand Slam is something so many uh, pros build their career to try and go after and for you you have to turn that down to maintain your amateur status how difficult a decision is that in the moment and you know what weighs through your head as you're making that sort of decision yeah I think in the moment obviously it's enticing you see as a 16 17 year old all this prize money and you want to think kind of short-term gratification but it's so risky I mean I I was nowhere near ready to go out on tour and be successful as anyone that plays on tour knows the ups and downs of it I was lucky and um, enough to have parents who understood that coaches who understood that and kind of pushed me in the college direction for so many other reasons Um, and I also wanted to go to college so that whole experience was unbelievable and it gave me a small taste of what um, you know the glitz and glam of the pro tour can be like if you get to that level but I also had people um, to help me understand what also is really like the ins and outs of it is being so young and being on tour and kind of being alone Um, so that was definitely something I took into consideration and tried to just think long-term gratification of you know don't focus so much on the short-term success because your career is long there's so many things that could go wrong there's a lot of things that could go right but for me and for a lot of young juniors I try and um you know paint that picture for them of what college tennis could be like and the unbelievable 
not only friendships, but relationships and memories that you can have in your four years of college that you can take for the rest of your life. And I just, I really didn't want to um, give that up. So I'm super happy with my decision. And, and yeah, that's what I try and kind of relate to, to young females kind of going through that same process. No, what I was going to say is I think with that, you, sh- you should definitely consider going into college coaching because that's a pretty good pitch if you don't mind me saying. Uh, yeah, no, that that's so awesome to hear. And, again, it's so clear how invested you are in the sport of college tennis. And before we talk about your coaching career, before what I, what I ask what it's like to take a couple-year sabbatical in Malibu because sign me up for that, please, ASAP. But, uh, you know, for you, your playing career in, you know, late 2000s, early 2010 women's college tennis you see so many talented players when you go looking back through the history and so I'm curious from your perspective what was the level of college tennis like for you and ultimately how do you think that did help you prepare to be top 250 in singles and doubles you know throughout your pro career yeah great question I think back when I was playing not too long ago but kind of long ago um (laughs) 2009 to 2012, they were still playing ad scoring, right? It was still two out of three sets. Uh, you know, it was the traditional format. I, now that you're coaching no ad, you played ad, I, I'm curious for you, do you see a developmental difference? Do you think that today's players are harmed at all by the current format, or do you think it still does a pretty good job of preparing you for pro tennis? Honestly, I think it does a phenomenal job of preparing you. I think the deuce points are just even added pressure to what college tennis already brings that three all moments or you know five all deuce point five four deuce point things like that is I didn't have that in college and I think if I did I don't who knows if I if our team would have been successful um I do think fitness played a huge level back in the day and I think you just have to come out with those deuce points maybe a different mentality maybe a little bit more aggressive because you're kind of going for broke and you have one shot it's not like you're playing ad points and you can kind of you know try and get it back it's just a blink of an eye something can happen it can be a set or you can be down a break just in one point so I think it definitely prepares you for the pro tour in different aspects um but yeah I, I enjoy coaching it it's just a little bit different mindset no without question now you talk about playing big points preparing you for the pro tour there's 
perhaps no one who got to play more big points during their college career than you. I believe you clinched two national titles. And, you know, again, you, you can go back and just replay any moment, any match in time. I imagine those two moments being able to clinch. Uh, that's unlike anything else, right? That environment, national championship, that sort of pressure, that, that has to be a really cool moment. And then you get to do it all again the next year, too. Yeah, I mean, I think if when people ask me you know, my best experience here, obviously those two stand out, but it was because of the situation that I was in because of my teammates. And I say that all the time. Like, I wouldn't have been in that moment if it wasn't. We were down 3-1 against Stanford, and I was still on along with three, two of my teammates. So if they wouldn't have come back in the third set or squeaked out a second set breaker to win, there's no way that I would even be in that moment. So I think if I was, you know, alone and – some random country by myself down 4-0 in the third and had points to to lose I'm not sure I would have pulled that out but because I was in that environment and college tennis has taught me college tennis had taught me so many things and I had teammates genuinely wanting me to win and supporting me is what kind of I played for it wasn't for me it was for them so that was just something that I learned in college and I think that people can miss out if you don't experience it and then to be able to do that again the next year it was the same thing it was just a a timing thing I played a little bit longer than my teammates just based on my game style so I was out there all the time um long the longest one out there the the um longest match out there but it was it was for them and I don't think it would have been possible if if I wasn't in that situation playing for Florida yeah, no, that's completely fair. And what's so amazing, I'm looking back at these scoreboards right now. Yeah, you look at these names. I mean, you and Mallory are playing at the two singles position, and that's just ridiculous. And then, you know, you look the next year, the match you guys played in the final against UCLA, and some of the talent just littered across these rosters. I mean, it was an incredible time for women's college tennis. It's probably even carried over to now as well. Now, what's sweeter, clinching that 4-3 thriller or just, you know, that standard? I guess it's your senior year. So that's got to have an added bonus. But I imagine, you know, you lose to Stanford. That was your only loss junior year to beat them 4-3 in the title. That's probably the one where if you're replaying any match, that's the match you pick. Honestly, if I had to pick one, I think it would be the sophomore year one, just because the year before, I don't know if many people know, but Mallory, the girl that I played, actually, we lost in the finals against Stanford, and she was the one that clinched it um, to win at 3-all, 7-5 in the third, I think it was. So that obviously replayed in my mind when I was out there playing Mal, and she's one of my good friends. She still is. Um, so that was definitely special, and to, to beat them at Stanford, we were definitely the underdog. They hadn't lost a match in a hundred and something matches. So I think the whole story behind it made it a little bit more sweeter, but um, definitely winning championships for the University of Florida and for my teammates who were my best friends were definitely definitely up there as highlights for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I want to talk to you about your coaching career now as well. But uh, as you know, Mark Aerosmith, Andrew Gold, I feel like I have to let them get a question in at some point. So I'm going to use this to segue into uh, what we want to focus on here today, which is the fitness and nutrition aspect. And you sort of mentioned uh, early on, you know, learning to be physically fit to play those two out of three set matches and, you know, the resources available for you at Florida to become a better athlete. I'm curious how that changed for you as you got onto the pro tour is it you know more difficult to be on top of your nutrition on top of your fitness as a pro than maybe it might be as a college player just simply because you don't have as many resources available to you um yes and no i think in college you have the student athletes are given so many resources but again i was you know younger a little bit immature um 
didn't really use it to my advantage advantage as much. I thought I was, you know, young. I'm not going to get injured. The whole thing that a lot of people think. But it definitely, I encourage every student athlete to use what you have because Florida has every, our support staff and our peripheral, like the people around our program is what makes us successful. And that's definitely there at so many programs. But then when you get on tour, definitely I'm a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I understand rest, recovery, nutrition. It's almost more important than the actual training aspect, um, but you don't have the resources. So it's definitely a discipline commitment thing um, for your mind and how you want to address kind of your job per se as being a professional tennis player. Um, so I would say it's a little bit of both. It's, it's definitely up to you in whatever situation you're in, but college definitely gives you pretty much, you know, every support, uh, resource necessary you need to be successful you just have to utilize it and then learn what you what you uh use what you learn from college into the pro tour yeah no i mean we uh we've looked at through aerobar dealing with all the different people like you know, that's uh kate hart with you guys right oh I mean, she's the she, best yeah i mean i don't even think that person's role existed at university of miami when andrew and i were there i mean it was kind of go in grab a power bar if you wanted right. um you know we, we didn't have the the nutritional options um out there i was gonna say also that you know with your fitness and style of play and everything you know i coached um chelsea gullickson for three or so years and two years and yeah she absolutely yeah. hated yeah, absolutely hated playing you chelsea <laughs> and i had battles i know we yeah that was another one i mean she was she was a superstar. She's so great playing a player at UGA. And, yeah, we had battles. But I knew that if I could just stay out there, then maybe I could come out with the win. But, yeah, she was great. <laughs> yeah, no, she's one that we've talked to throughout, you know, with, you know, Aerobar stuff, even back at the beginning of it. And just, you know, her going, man, I, I didn't even know all the stuff. I mean, nobody yeah. seemed to. How, how much do you, and I know you're still – very into the fitness like how much mm -hmm. do you how important is that when you recruit somebody yeah so I've taken a very strong passion and love for fitness and nutrition just because of my own struggles but also it's just so clear to me now how helpful it is for athletes and I think even my team I try and you know educate them and and inform them because I think that's just all it is we have a great you know, dietitian, nutritionist, all of those things. And they just do a great job informing the student athletes and educating. And I, I do that with recruits as well. And just understanding that, Hey, if you have a nutritional question on the road, or if you, you know, need help or need food plans, just, just ask. And we can kind of have a dialogue and conversation about it because it really is one of the most important aspects in, you know, being able to sustain your training and your matches and you put so much work in, you don't want to, you know, get injured and rest, recovery, nutrition, all of those things is, is super important. So I try and really have conversations almost daily to my girls. And now it's fun. They ask me, they send me pictures of ingredient labels or ask me kind of what they should order. And that's, that's the cool part is seeing the response from them and then seeing, seeing the effects on court as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously on court, it's arrow bar, nothing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Don't worry. I just actually, we had them in our lounge today and I just grabbed one. Sometimes I go in there and just grab one. We have them all over <laughs> the arrow bars. Yeah, no, no. We're big believers. Yeah, no, that is, um, you guys and Coach Shelton have big help on it, which is great. Um, what do you think? We've had a few. We had Billy Payton from Princeton on last week and obviously the, the atmosphere of 
college sports is changing quite a bit right now. How do, how do you see it changing short term as you know short term and long term? I guess as a result of you know COVID and you know whatever else is going on. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good question. I feel like every day, either Roland and I are on Zoom calls about it, um, about our season and what that's going to look like. I think right now, as far as the SEC is concerned, we don't really have a set date. They just kind of push the fall sports back. So. Um, soccer, volleyball, they push those back. So I know tennis will probably push back, uh, be pushed back. But it's kind of a tough call long term too. In the spring, I'm, I'm, we're hoping and you know hopeful that there'll be a season. It just might look a little bit different as far as scheduling goes and and travel. And Florida is very fortunate um, that nothing's been cut or you know anything like that. But it's it's just really hard to say. I feel like no one really knows, and we're kind of in just like a weird holding pattern right now. But um, we're, we zoom with our team. We get we get in contact with them, and hopefully they'll be back in the fall. Um, just gonna look probably a lot different. You guys should try Skype. It's really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention that to Rose. No one will be able to get on. <laughs> yeah, no, we um we yeah with the timing of everything, yeah, we became the official bar of IGA tennis two days before college tennis was shut down. Oh my gosh. Um, and even that, we're, you know, there's there's really no time frame that anyone can give us. And, you know, it's just hoping that it happens in the fall, maybe. Exactly, sort of yeah. Sure. Um, exactly. Do you have, you know, what kind of questions are your players asking about it? Or are they just in the dark as well? I mean, everybody seems to get... um, Yeah, it's actually funny. We, um, some girls, Florida actually, we have some girls kind of in and out this summer, um, that we were able to train voluntarily as long as we were, you know, COVID tested and tested negative and, you know, wearing masks in the building and all these precautions. But we're actually getting on a Zoom call with them next week to kind of give them a summary. But they're, I mean, they're asking too. We just, all their classes are, are kind of moved online. So that was one question that we kind of answered for them. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, we just don't know really. We're having a Zoom to kind of catch them up on, on what Florida's saying, but no one kind of really knows a certain answer, like a, a steady answer, I guess I would say. Sure. Yeah. Lauren, uh, Andrew here, how you doing? Um, hey. I, uh, I know this is just a random question out of the blue, but you said you brought up your Zoom calls, and I do a lot of our social media, and I have obviously witnessed some of your workouts with your girls <laughs> over yes. Zoom. <laughs> my question is, I mean, and be honest, who is, I mean, I know you probably take great pride in being able to beat some of them still <laughs> on the court as well as physically in fitness and running. Is that, uh, is that accurate? <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and lie, but fitness, if fitness, I feel like I, that's where I shine. Like I'm going to, sometimes I run their fitness, sometimes I join them in the gym and I crush it. I love the fitness running strength any part of that um i feel like lauren's kind of in the lead now if we're talking tennis and like points and match play <laughs> i know my strengths and i know that's no longer it but if you want to rally up the middle and say okay first one to miss is running i will not miss but as far as like point play and serves returns and stuff like that yeah i pick my battles and that's just sometimes not one of them but i'm good for baseline games i'm good for you know half court drills i'm good for first one to miss kind of thing but <laughs> they'll tell but you we, i'm like the perfect hitting partner <laughs> but we do have you on the record saying that you're definitely more fit than the rest of the team so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I don't put this on the podcast <laughs> 
Exactly. For our ears only. Yeah. No, um, that's perfect. I was gonna say, don't worry, no one listens. So this is just between the three of us, anyways. You don't have to worry about that. That's not true. You guys crush it. I listen. You guys have so many listeners. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. We'll take that. In. We do. We you guys do. are famous. <laughs> we do. That's good. That's yeah. Good. I think you do. No, she's she's talking about the non-Thursday I enjoy episodes. What talking about. Yeah, talking about the non-Thursday episodes, Andrew. But no, I, first of all, Mark, oh, that that gotcha. that Skype joke was exceptional. Like I I take offense to it a little bit, but that might have been the best joke uh, we have made here. I'm getting to the point that was delightful. So I really I'm, enjoyed I'm it. I'm with you, nothing else. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was really good. And to, I was going to say, to sort of piggyback off some of the things they've asked, because I know, and, you know, this might be where you swear at me, um, but I'm not going to try to make you relive this, but, you know, injuries played a big part of your own professional career. And as we talk about nutrition and fitness, I mean, yeah. I'm sure those struggles and staying, you know, healthy are, that's something you can relate to maybe better than any other assistant coach in the country when talking to your players. And so in stressing how important those little things are, you know, how do you get that message across to your players? Yeah, that's a great question. And I did have my fair share of injuries and I fully acknowledge that it was probably due to um, overtraining a little bit. And I understand that my our, our girls want to work and they want to train and they put in the work, but trying to get them to understand that sometimes less is more and then giving them concrete examples. Hey, this is what I did and this is what happened. I don't want this to happen to you. I learned the hard way. Um, it's why I got into holistic nutrition and, you know, all of these things because I developed my own sort of autoimmune diseases and back injuries and hip surgeries and stuff like that. But, um, to try and give them like a, a real example and proof of, Hey, if you continue on this path, this is what's going to happen. And, um, then, you know, when you're training, you're just going to be sitting there. It's really not fun or productive. So that definitely helps. But then, um, it's my job to be able to kind of taper them back because they all want to go, 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 which I appreciate. That's what I wanted to do, you know, but then to say like, okay, I've been in your shoes. I kind of, I know what this is going to be like. Um, We just had a rough training week. Let's kind of dial it down for like a day or two. And they might not like me in the moment, but I think they they later appreciate it because they're still on court training and they're not, you know, sitting on the bench in a a sling or, you know, wrapped up or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, we had, um, you know, one of our brand ambassadors is Mike Russell. And he, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a friend. He was a teammate. And then, you know, we're involved with Eric Barr as well. And he went through a ton of the same stuff and you know it wasn't until 10 years after he started on tour that he realized that maybe the stretching and the foam roller were more mm-hmm. important than you know leg pressing 700 pounds um, totally so yeah he struggled, and he had everything from random his arm broke hitting a kick serve one time I mean just oh. random stuff you, had, you know all kinds of things that were attributed later on to just overtraining and he kind of sure. So good, he won by running, so he wanted to be the most fit dude in the world. Right. <laughs> hey, I get that. It just sometimes the body doesn't agree. You know, you put so much stress on the body, it sometimes gives out. No, I, yeah, that, that's, I mean, yeah, thankfully, as someone who is not a high-class athlete, that's not something I ever had to worry about. I would say, you know, Sh- Shakira said the hips don't lie. Mine do. 
Like they're, they're not very kind to me. Um, but I suppose that's a story for another time. But again, to, to sort of focus in on this nutrition and health aspect, because there's a lot, you know, you can tell an 18 year, you can tell a 14 year old, a 16 year old, an 18 year old, probably all the way up through 2021. And then you start to think, okay, if I'm still playing this, I should be taking better care of my body. But you can say, hey, you know, recovery and stretching and, you know, things as little as massages or things as little as the five to 10 minute warm up before you're actually hitting any balls, you know, those are as valuable as your time spent on court. And you tell a 14, 16 year old that they're just going to kind of be like, like, I don't believe that at all. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, where do you weigh those things, the recovery, the stretches? Is that just as important as hitting balls and running sprints, all of the other things that go into being a high level tennis player? For sure. I think it's, like I said, I think it's just as important, if not more important, but also understanding like, hey, we're talking to, you know, 18 to 22 year old, young, healthy kids. So I I try and pick my battles. Honestly, I know we have a great athletic trainer and strength staff to kind of hone in on that stuff. And then I try and hone in on like the... um, the diet and maybe the nutrition and stuff that I've really taken like a a love for and passion for and really try to educate myself to educate them. So I kind of try and pick my battles of, Hey, you have to kind of take ownership. And my best piece of advice, it sounds lame, but it's to honestly listen to your body. If something hurts, more than like a soreness it's it's telling you something you know and that's that's worked well with them but also just giving them the freedom to to be able to know kind of when to to dial it down or to really listen to their body of what's what's it's talking to you you know so I just try and be kind of a a support and like a resource and not try and you know dictate every every minute of their of their day what they should be doing because I don't I don't really think that works being like a dictator kind of thing but if they hey if they're they're in my office every every day asking questions and we're talking you know food and like I said it's cool when they see um, effects on that but then also them responding to it and I think it's just little things on the road here and there of just hey maybe choose this for dinner over this we have a big match tomorrow or hey let's take this recovery shake now um just little things like that I think pays off um in the long run and to piggyback on that um you know how has your coaching style slash philosophy over the years maybe evolved you know we had we had Jay Berger on not too long ago, and he was my college coach as well as Mark's, and he was insane. He crushed us. He used to kill us. And uh, he even admitted that he probably did too much with us. You know, he probably mm-hmm. pushed too much. It was always go, go, go. And that's how I was brought up as a player as well. I had some really tough right. coaches, and everything was, you know, in order to get where you want to go, you got to work harder than everyone and just crush, crush, crush. Right. And, you know, I know over time a lot of the philosophical things in tennis have changed. You know, players are obviously playing a lot longer into their careers in pro tennis, like way longer. Their prime is later. Obviously, they're taking care of their bodies better. They're eating better. They're not crushing themselves as much as, you know, they did back in the day when careers were much shorter. So I was just curious on your end, you know, how maybe have you evolved in, yeah. in your time? from a player yes. to now yeah it's interesting because I was kind of like you growing up I had some I mean my dad was pretty tough as far as just you know bringing out the best in me I had another coach who was super successful and she was very tough as well so that's kind of all I knew is like I didn't train five six hours a day I trained two to three max and when I did it was like really tough and really intense and that's kind of 
what I try and bring out in my girls. It's like, okay, quality over quantity kind of thing. But I also understand in college is you have way more responsibility than just um, performing on the court. So, and understanding that, hey, if they have like a big test or a big exam or or something's going on personal, like I just want to be their friend. I want to be that person to just, you know, talk to them and communicate with them. And that's kind of what I've tried to adapt and change a little bit is, Yes, we're going to go hard and we're going to go intense, but we're going to have a lot of fun and it's not going to be so serious all the time um, because with girls, I think they respond well to that. I mean, I went through one time, sorry, McCartney, I, I took her this fall to a tournament and we went, I think, the whole match without saying one thing about tennis because she was so stressed out about other, other things. So just like having the open mind to, to change things given the person, but also the kind of day they're having because there's a lot that you have to deal with um, in college, which is why I like why why I love to coach it, um, but also understanding that hey, you don't have to be out here for four or five hours to get stuff done. We can have a hard individual for one hour in the morning and team practice for an hour and a half too. And if you go one hundred percent and try your best, you can get so much done with that. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with with coaching and trying to get the girls to respond um, the best way possible. Yeah, no, what Mark won't admit to you, Lauren, is the reason Jay ran them so hard is there's no cure for a hangover quite like a sweat. And so that's why, you know, you're in Miami for that long. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing, right, Mark? Well, that might, that, <laughs> I went out a little. that might be accurate. <laughs> yeah. That actually might be pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Florida Heat's no joke. There's some cramping happening. I mean, they learn, I'm, for sure, there's probably hangovers that they just learn the hard way, you know? I'm yeah. like, well, yep. No, no. I told you that. Yeah, exactly. It's abs- yeah. absolutely part of the college experience. And, you know, for you, again, yeah, you, you go uh, from the professional tour, and I'm sure you got to travel a bunch of different places, enjoy uh, being across the globe. But then ultimately in, you know, I think it was July of 2017, you get a call from Pepperdine, and, you know, they say, hey, we, we would like you to come over and be our assistant coach. Is it as simple as Malibu paid, done? Or, you know, what ultimately drew you back to uh, the college tennis ranks and in particular into coaching? This pair listens to this, the head coach at Pepperdine. Um, I actually hounded him for that job, and he did not give me the time of day for, like, a solid month. Um, and I remember talking to one of my friends, like, one of my mentors, and she was like, hey, if you want something, you got to go after it. Keep calling him. So I actually kept, like, hounding him, and finally he was like, all right, come to lunch with my wife and I. So I went to lunch with them, and then the next day it was a done deal. But I, like, joke with him, like, about that because I was – I really wanted to get in coaching. I came back as a volunteer in 2017 to help out Florida kind of towards the end of their season. And I just really grew like a, a love for it. I knew some of the girls still. And um, even when I was playing, I, I, I thought about it, but I didn't think, I didn't know that it would be my career path. Um, and then when Pepperdine opened up, I had heard unbelievable things about Pear. I mean, he does an unbelievable job there. And I learned so, so much from him. He's incredible. Um, not only as a coach, but as a human. And we still talk all the time. And I just feel like it was just kind of meant to be like that was where I needed to be to learn and grow and develop as a coach. And it worked out. And, and yeah, it just, I don't know. It just it just kind of worked out for me, but I definitely put in a lot of effort to get that job because Pear was not about it in the beginning. <laughs> well, first of all, you did an excellent Pear impression there with your yeah. Just come to dinner with me, and you know that was I feel like a pretty good <laughs> oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I feel like you channeled him there. <laughs> That's so. what happened though. We literally just went to lunch and and talked, and it was just so like natural and normal, and 
And yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I didn't know K. John because I got the job the next day. I was like, you did. This could have been so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so great to hear. Obviously, I think all of us in college tennis are a winner uh, because that lunch went well. Um, but you know, to, to, on that topic, we at Crack Rackets, and by the way, full-throated endorsement from Lauren Embry is definitely something I'm going to be rocking nowadays. Um, but you know, we have the chance to talk to all of these different coaches, and I think you see now there are so many fo- immediately former college tennis players who in lieu of even going on tour uh, they'll want to get back into the college tennis coaching ranks immediately whether it be a volunteer whether it be an assistant job whatever it may be and so I'm curious if you have any advice for them for those people with passion for getting into college tennis because certainly it's not easy right it's not every day you're going to get Pepperdine to be your first assistant job but for those people pursuing coaching jobs what advice might you give them? Yeah, good. I mean, honestly, I went back and volunteered. I think every so many schools are looking for a volunteer, and you can gain so much experience just by being around the um, the teams and the culture. So even just reaching out to your old coaches or players. I mean, I was lucky enough that I had a great relationship with my head coach, so I went back to Florida. But it doesn't have to be your alma mater. I mean, but starting as a volunteer anywhere, like is just so valuable it was for me and I know for a lot of my friends that are now into coaching they went that route too um but just yeah like reaching out to people everybody wants to help you it's just a matter of of asking is kind of what I've learned is especially the tennis world is so small so um you think you don't know people but you do so just reach (laughs) out to anybody and everyone social media being so powerful and strong like sometimes it can just take a message you know Mm -hmm. no absolutely and you know, for you, again, you get that job at Pepperdine 2017, uh, which is obviously a cool year. And I'm curious, you're, you're getting mm-hmm. ready for your first season, and Pear comes to you, and he says, so we have this freshman by the name of Ashley Leahy, and I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what she is yet, but I'm feeling pretty good about her as a recruit. Uh, curious, young Ashley, who's obviously gone on to be one of the best pe- college tennis players yes. uh, probably of the 2010s, uh, you know, could you see the talent right away? For sure you can. I mean, she's super athletic. She's a great human being. She works her butt off. Um, she loves the game. She competes like world class. I mean, she has so many positives. And she's around Pear, who is just notorious for developing and getting the best out of players that you can so you can kind of see the talent right away but she was young I mean she's 16 she'll tell you when she went to college so um I don't want to speak for her but I know that she's matured so much since being there and that was one of the things that we really kind of worked on was um you know handling emotions and seeing you know long-term gratification and perspective and all of these little things that you know 16 17 year olds I certainly didn't have um and just kind of instilling that every day and honing in on those little things kind of off-court stuff I think really helped her and now she's obviously number one in the country and just absolutely crushing it 4.0 GPA she's she's incredible but she definitely um I think matured through that process for sure just being around the right people Mm -hmm. no absolutely and you know we've been fortunate enough to get the chance to speak with her a couple of times here on our cracked interviews podcast so uh for people interested in ashley definitely go check that out now again for you you i think uh made the jump in 2019 over to florida but uh, just a random fun fact for you the very first match i ever covered in person uh i went to the 2018 ncas in wake forest i pull up on that thursday because i had a different job at the time and so i couldn't leave until thursday and the moment 
moment I pull up, I get to see the end of that Pepperdine Georgia Tech four three match. Oh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not. Again, here's where the swearing's gonna come, and I'm not gonna <laughs> well, ask I mean, you. I liked you up until right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you know my question isn't going to be. Yeah, no, so much. Well, it's not so much. You know how badly did that last loss suck? But how difficult is it for you? You know, being a coach now to watch those matches unfold, to just be on the sidelines versus when you're playing. I feel like there's nothing more difficult than watching a match you're vested in that you don't have any control over. 100%. I mean, you just nails it on the head. It was, I mean, especially I was, a, I had a year of coaching experience and even pair after that loss, we were not okay. And I remember him saying that was definitely one of the hardest ones that he's taken. And he's coached for a while now, um, not calling him old or anything, but just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely sitting there and kind of knowing, like trying your best to be able to get my girls out of, you know, their own way or their funk or try and get that momentum back is, is part of coaching, right? And I obviously didn't, didn't do a great job that night, um, and that was on us. But like, it just, it was, yeah, it was tough, and it's just tough for it was tough for our girls. I mean, we had seniors on that team. We were, uh, you know, projected to to do well in the tournament, and we felt like we had a really good chance. And then the ball kind of didn't bounce our way in some spots, and we got a little unfortunate. And it was it was rough. But I think looking back, I mean, I remember Parent and I discussed that a lot after after that match and we tried to think of what we could do better what we missed that year that we didn't really tackle um and there were definitely things that we learned from so looking back it was a huge learning curve for me but in the moment it i'm gonna cuss it fucking sucked (laughs) (laughs) no i I can only imagine what that must be like again and i didn't i apologize for putting you back there and i you know the good news is you talk about learning from that the next year you guys make the quarterfinals so obviously a step up for your program and what was so right. interesting that next year, again, another adjustment to college tennis, they introduced the Super Regional, where the round of 16, you're yeah. playing home matches instead of at one site. Your thoughts on that? Do you like that format change? I feel like a home match in college tennis, you know, regardless of where you are, that's the best environment in all of tennis, in my opinion. And so I'm okay with it. You know, curious from a coaching perspective, if that added burden, you know, thinking, can I get a top eight seed? If that's more frustrating, ultimately, from, you know, from the coach's perspective. Yeah, what's funny is that following year, we actually... On paper, I think our team, we had a bunch of graduating seniors that, senior that we lost. So going into that next year, it's funny what perspective could do. Cause I think we were just looser and didn't have as much pressure or what the case was because we did well. But yeah, adding that super regional was, it's kind of nerve wracking because if you're not in that top eight, you have to travel an extra trip. Um, and that could kind of, you know, backfire if you're traveling to the East Coast and then have to go back to, or if you're traveling to the West Coast and have to go back to NCAAs on the East Coast, it's a lot of travel. So, that was interesting for I think coaches and also it it made the tournament a little bit smaller so maybe not as many fans or like the environment wasn't as great but I totally get the reason behind adding that super regional I just felt like um like we were playing in the sweet 16 at home and it wasn't as an environment as where you're playing in the sweet 16 you know at the NCAA final site mm-hmm. so that was kind of tricky but I I understand why they did it. I don't think it matters too much. Um, we were just fortunate enough to not have to travel, but mm-hmm. the teams that did and then upset that team and had to travel again, that had to have been tough schedule-wise for them for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think what the NCAA was trying to do is just avoid all of the love bugs in Orlando for just one week longer. They're like, <laughs> we don't have to expose I anyone. I to- about it. That's- 
much. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, the fact that they were like floating on the camera, it was just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Come on, like this is. I know. Yeah, it's a, just I a mean, little. Some of our European girls, like they didn't even know what those things were. They were freaking out the first day. Kara and I were like, if you say that it's hot or that there's too many love bugs, you're out. Like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so the whole week, no one mentioned anything. It was like this awkward, like it's so hot and there's so many love bugs, but we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's definitely a win. That's a smart philosophy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, for you, it's, you know, that's your experience for obviously a great uh, 2019 season for Pepperdine. And then ultimately you end up making the jump over to the, you know, back to your alma mater, to Florida. You know, what about Florida came calling to you? Why was, you know, Coach Thorquist and just returning to Gainesville something that you wanted to do? Yeah, um, I think a lot of I str- I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I'll go ahead and say is I struggled with the decision. Um, I there were so many pros to coming back to Florida, and I'm so glad that I'm here. Um, my family, being back in alma mater, playing for Roe, um, just getting this opportunity in general, I felt super grateful for, and I'm glad that it it's all worked out. But I think going through the process, you know, I really liked my time in LA. I, I loved learning and growing at Pepperdine. I they were so great to me, um, but I just felt like I was ready for for a new kind of chapter and the next step. So a lot of things kind of factored into that decision um as far as coming back here but um so far so good I can't I can't complain I definitely miss some of LA and have great memories there but but I love this part of my life and I love you know being back in in Gator Nation really yeah does it help when players are giving you sass you can point to the wall and be like do you see that name like that's mine (laughs) you know that that's definitely a 2021 move for you and you know i know you and yeah, you, yeah you and mark uh sort of got into this topic a little bit earlier but the idea of you know in your first season uh everything's canceled by a global pandemic and that's obviously something mm-hmm. none of us uh could have anticipated nothing we've experienced like in our lives before uh you know right. for that to happen what's it like and i'm sure you can relate to some of these seniors who have their final moment it seemed like in the moment taken away from them and just all of the uncertainty. How difficult was that moment for your team when everything was getting canceled? Yeah, I think I just, we felt really sorry for all the seniors around the country in every sport, you know, like it's already hard enough when you're season, you play a full season and you lose that last match or you win that last match and you're done. You're never playing college tennis again. So I really felt for our seniors, um, we had one and it's you know it's heartbreaking that they don't get a full season and obviously NCAA granted that year back so I'm super happy that you know hopefully this will pass and they'll they'll get that opportunity again but just being in constant communication and talking with them I think with everything and just understanding that you know it's kind of out of our control it's what's best for what's going on in the world right now and we'll see what we can do and every day gets closer to getting back to normal hopefully um so we'll see what this year brings but it was definitely kind of a really sad confusing like weird time I would say back in March when we were you know getting on the bus ready to go play two SEC matches and had to turn around and sent him home for five days and then didn't see him for like three months so it was like just a weird a weird time yeah no I would say if anything the advantage you have in fitness right now probably growing a little bit um but you know uh, or maybe hopefully not but you know on that topic you talk I know you guys do zoom workouts and uh it's obviously a really cool thing 
flip side of that, a fun question here as we wrap things up. You're, you guys are on the team Zoom, right? It's the entire Florida team. It's a team meeting. If there was one player on the team or coach that you could put on mute for the duration of the call, just because for whatever reason it may be, who are you picking and why? <laughs> uh, out of all of my team? Yeah, your team. It could be coaches. It can be anyone. Um, I'm going to say, oof, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I'm going to say Ro, just because if we're doing a workout, he's going to whine the whole time. <laughs> so I'm just going to mute him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I'm putting back in my thoughts. Hopefully he doesn't hear this. Maybe I'll take like a pay cut at home. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, I mean, if anything, that's right. You don't want to insult a player. Him you can insult because I'm sure he's used to it exactly, from you by yeah. now. If one of my players is saying, Lord, I can't believe you said that. fair move for you and again this quarantine time has been weird for all of us uh for you any new skills any particular hobbies you've picked up during this time stretch oh so for me it's binge eating arrow bars i just i can't get away from them yeah that's that's pretty much daily in my (laughs) you know trip to the office though they're just there but i actually ran a half marathon our athletic trainer becca um she's incredible and she is a big runner so in the heat of quarantine, when we were actually quarantined, couldn't do anything, we decided to run our own half marathon and start training for it. So I was a big runner up until about a month ago, and now I'm kind of just back into the gym and, and three-mile runs, but nothing crazy like 13, 14 miles. So that was cool to kind of accomplish that, but that won't be happening for another probably five years. <laughs> we talk about don't overtrain, and then we go 13, 14 miles. That's, that's incredible. No, I, I love to hear that. That's so awesome. As a fellow runner, uh, that's really cool to hear and yeah I, I, I feel like during this time period I, I it's gotten to the point where I was really bored with my roommate this is a good story to wrap us up on and so we were just kind of hanging out and I was like if I jog in place for an hour is that a replacement for a run if I like am just in the house jogging in place like do I get the total Stop. distance no is that a th- I feel like I feel like that would be a I don't know a, I mean, unclear it counts as steps I think it counts I saw some one of my girls sent me a, a bar stool or something on Instagram of a lady that ran a marathon in her driveway <laughs> I also agreed to run it with them, and I got like 10 miles in my runs, and then I'm 
also happy. I'm also happy COVID to go. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't mark. I just don't get. Like I was 13, and was like I physically and mentally do not understand how you can go another 13. You just run another. You just run another half marathon. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my le- like my mind will, but my legs won't. Like, I, or my legs won't. Like my legs won't. My mind won't. I'm not sure which one, but I, I, I did. I mean, that's a good effort. I didn't. I didn't love it. I mean, it was. It was. <laughs> but I did tell Jay, like what we discussed. I mean, a normal practice for Jay Berger in college was harder <laughs> than running a marathon. Okay. And truly, yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So he prepared you, you subconsciously for. And it. if you if you need any uh, any any help with your marathon running, you could just Skype Mark. <laughs> no, uh, I'll be right there for you. Yeah. Oh, no, I was, I was going to say that. Yeah, to go full circle, you know who really appreciated the marathon running were Mrs. Golub and Mrs. Aerosmith. So I'm sure they were big fans of you guys getting in marathon shape. Well, that's fun. That, uh, la- uh, two years ago. For, she was who I had in mind. <laughs> somebody, somebody should run this thing. And, uh, <laughs> I think, I think she went, and I literally think she got pregnant to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I had, and then I had to run it. Well, it's a great idea. I wanted it. <laughs> she, oh, and yeah. she did it. She did it she did two it. years ago. Wow. Yeah, no, that is awesome. That's perfect. Well, I think that's exactly where we want to end things, Lauren. So, again, a huge thank you to you for taking the time to thank chat with us. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Yeah, wish you, yeah, thanks, Lauren. Yeah, you and your Florida Gators luck. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And hopefully we'll get the chance to talk to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Of course. Take care. See ya. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with University of Florida women's assistant head coach Lauren Embry. I mean, what a fantastic guest. And again, we do apologize for the audio there. Uh, it happens every so often. Look, we've been doing these podcasts for three years. I think we are now over 700 total episodes, which blows my mind, folks. We're not even going to get into what that number means. But, uh, you know, Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with University of Florida women's tennis assistant head coach Lauren Embry. Uh, it was such a delightful podcast. We do, of course, apologize for those audio difficulties. But look, I think we're now over the 700 mark in terms of total episodes, which not even going to get into how crazy that is. But uh, it, it happens every so often still. We hope you guys like realized like we did that that was too good of an interview, You know, too substantive, too enjoyable, too entertaining. Uh, to pass up. So again, a huge shout out to Lauren for taking the time to chat with us. A huge shout out as always to Mark and Andrew and our friends over at Aerobar. Go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. I promise you once you get your first taste, you're going to be hooked, folks. It is that good of a product. Uh, so go there. Uh, give them some love as well. You know, certainly we have loved doing these podcasts. And so, you know, that's the way we can support them and continue to have the opportunity to do these sorts of episodes here at Crack. 
Cracked Rackets. Uh, of course, again, we have been having the chance to talk to so many wonderful people from throughout the tennis world. Uh, if you've missed any of those conversations, uh, you know, on this podcast, I chatted earlier in the week with Mark Lucero in depth about the World Team Tennis season, you know, the quality of play, what it's like to be on the grounds there, how everyone's adhering to the safety and health guidelines that have been put in place. Uh, you can go listen to that podcast as well. I thought it was a particularly fun one. Of course, we're also doing our Ace of the Day now on the Great Shot Podcast, our new segment brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Look, there's so much action going on throughout the tennis world on any given day. Of course, we fans, uh, you know, we fans of the game want to get in on that action. And we know you fans of Cracked Rackets are the most educated fans in the business. Why not take advantage of that fact? And, you know, so if that is something you might be interested in, go listen to our new Ace of the Day segments on the Great Shot Podcast. Of course, Cracked Interviews-wise, we're still rolling out all of our interviews from the Altic Steislinger Tennis Exhibition in Miami, J.C. Aragoni's events, as well as that Young King Scholarship Exhibition in Nicholasville at the Top Seat Tennis Club. Of course, we're also really excited to be heading down there for the WTA International event scheduled on August 10th. More about that coming in the future. Uh, but yeah, folks, we've had a lot of great interviews. So this podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, Great Shot Podcast, Inside Out Podcast, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Of course, you want to see those interviews on video. Go watch our YouTube channel where you can see the incredible work super producer Daniel Westoff's been up to. I mean, we got to have some of those chats poolside, and it's not often you get to chat with a player in the pool. There's just a comfort they have. How can you be uncomfortable when you're sitting in a beautiful pool in a beautiful home in Miami? Uh, and I think it led to some fantastic interviews, so go check those out. You know, Hit that subscribe button so you know whenever a new interview drops. There's still a bunch to come, folks, so you don't want to miss out on any of that action. Uh, of course, if you've missed any of our content in general, you can find it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. It's very easy for me to have these conversations again. Much more difficult to make them sound coherent, so shout out to all of them. But with that being said, for you know my wonderful co-hosts, Andrew uh, Golub and Mark Aerosmith, our fantastic guest, Lauren Embry, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks, that's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 